This episode of The Accredited is brought to you by Shiver Premium Ice Cream. Don't forget, you can now find your Shiver Ice Cream at Kenneth's Food Store, Prince Charles, and various locations all around the country. So for that sweet tooth fix, bye Bahamian. We'll be back in a few moments to talk about nationals. So the fourth edition of Nationals is in the books. Of course, everybody knows by now, St. George's Jaguars. They're your new national champs on the boys' side. You're welcome, Bahamas. Dominant performance from St. John's on the girls' side. I mean, it's really not that much to talk about on the girls' side. Not at all. Because St. John's was so good, they made it anticlimactic by just dominating everybody. I mean... No, I mean... Wasn't it 20 to 8 at one point? Exactly. They made it boring for all of you because St. John's is but that Sack great. But came back, though. Don't worry about that. We, we'll get to that and they later. lost. We'll get to that later. So, St. George's became the first team to win two national titles, led by, and obviously we have to start in the obvious place, my dog PG-25. Paul Green, dominant performance in the title game. With one hand. I mean, he said that too, but y'all. With one hand. With one hand, 17 points, 22 boards, Paul Green. Just How many assists he had? Five. All of the adjectives you use to describe somebody with heart, the grit, the hustle, the grind, everything was there. It was what you expect to see out of a leader in a spotlight. You know what's incredible, like what I think about that game? It was the most quiet 22 and 17 I've ever seen in my life. No, it was loud. It was loud. It was loud. Every time St. George just needed a basket because Tabby was right there the entire game. Like, neither team could get any separation throughout the course of that game. The, the widest margin, I think, until the fourth quarter, it was it was always, like, between four and six or something like that. Very manageable. This sounds right? like family ties bias. So, <laughs> we'll get to that. So, whenever Tabby came within two or tied the game, PG-25 was there for a bucket. And he, I think at one point he had two consecutive three-point plays. Like, that's the kind of game that he was having. And he couldn't shoot the ball normally because he still had his left hand wrapped up. So his jumper wasn't there. But he was getting to the basket. He was obviously grabbing more rebounds than anybody else. And defensively, the job that he did on Roma Dean. Amazing. Amazing. You think I'm being biased? I mean, I still think it was a pretty quiet uh, 20... Uh, 22 and 17 you cannot have you cannot post those numbers quietly like it's impossible what do people mean when they say that anyway when they say you have a quiet game like like i understand that he had big moments in the game but when you look when you watch the game flow it's just like oh he had that he had nearly all of the big moments you know what you know what this is a uh, product of he was doing too much producing yeah probably so when you're running around doing producing too much busy work. Yeah, you you running around doing too much producing. You didn't really have the eye for the game that you should have had in that moment. It's like even though, like you said, though he put up the points and he had the three point plays. Like I just say quiet because it's not like there was. I can't name the one moment when it was like. That. I I can name thirty moments that he had like that. Yeah, with twenty two points. Yeah, because the moments are more than just scoring. See, John, as a basketball purist. 
I can see beyond the box score, okay? And what I saw was the intangibles. That'd be a good podcast name. As a basketball purist? No, beyond the box score. Oh, shit. Keep that one. Keep that one in the chamber. We we actually will use that. We're actually going to use that. But Okay, so if it wasn't PG-25 that stood out to you in the title game, what was it? Nobody. Like, to me, St. George's, it was just a team, a team effort. Like, the... That, and that's one thing I noticed about um, Daryl's teams. You don't have, like, with Tabernacle, you knew it was Ethan and Josh. Mm-hmm. Like, those were the two who were making all the big plays. Whereas with Daryl, you know, he just wants people to play basketball. Yeah, and I, I wanted to get more into that when we actually get to the Jaguars program, but we stay in here on PG-25 right now for, the, for this moment. So, he, he did. here's the story, right? Let's give you a backstory on this. In the Hugh Campbell championship game against Doris Johnson, injured his hand. Didn't know it was broken until he got back to Freeport. That's why they lost Hugh Campbell, probably. That is probably... Thank, there you go. This is the impact that he has. So didn't know he was playing with a broken hand. Didn't know until he got back to Freeport. And then... So for the next month, he's walking around with a cast on his hand. Still unsure whether he would even play in nationals at all. Because I was talking to Shane... In the in the week leading up to it, and he said, you know, I don't I don't think we're gonna see St. George's St. George's and Doris again, like we saw in Hugh Campbell, because Paul's been walking around with the cast. So you have that coming in. First game, he takes the cast off the day before nationals. So it started on Thursday, he takes it off on a Wednesday. Plays sparingly against Gateway in the first game, maybe like five minutes, because obviously you had your hand in the cast for a month. You don't know if you're ready to play. Doctors advised him not to play. Couldn't what do doctors know? Nothing. <laughs> what do they know against uh, Dorset Blooded Heart and Grit and Grind and all of the other adjectives you just you put on us? Nothing. So, <laughs> so he plays against Gateway. Couldn't really do much, and St. George's loses their first game of the tournament. Gateway shocks everybody right out of the gate and beat, no pun intended, and beat the team that was the top in Pool B. So, which I, is kind of ridiculous. Let's just go to that for a second. So, so you want to you want to jump all the way there? No, no. I I want to jump to the point of because Gateway is going to get their own segment. No, no. I'm not talking about Gateway. This Pool A and Pool B thing, yeah, it's garbage. No, it's dumb. there's only one number one seat. It's dumb. Like you don't have 64 teams in regions. It's like what are they in the Jack Hayward region? That's you know what they might as well do that. Here's the thing: you have six teams. I mean, you have 12 teams, and if you want to do it that way, then that's fine. But you're right. We we were complaining about that the entire weekend, and Gateway actually has a gripe that boy, a big one. You know what? If this was single elimination, like we want a national tournament to be, then Gateway would have eliminated. We was going to be at war. Yeah, we yeah. was going to be at War Resort right now, partying. Oh, we would have been at World Resort partying. Yeah, they would probably invited us. I didn't even think about that. You too busy thinking about your cousin. Yeah, well, I mean, he was balling. It ain't. Listen, it's not like I'm talking up somebody that had like three points and two boards. This is the MVP, okay? This is the most outstanding player in the entire tournament. So let's just go most outstanding player of the game. Tournament. Game. Anyway, so so that first game, struggle against Gateway. St. George's loses it. So right away, the shock of the tournament is this number one seed is in jeopardy of being eliminated. Game number two, they got Temple Christian. TC comes out 
firing. I think takes like a seven. Boy, TC is so good at coming out hot. <laughs> they, they, Boy. Listen, if the game is just played in the first quarter, TC might be the national and then, champion. And then they supernova. <laughs> it's yeah. like they end up just dying. It, it's I don't get it. Boy, you really need to learn how to charge your 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 phones and laptops. Don't stress me. So so they fall behind 9-0, and it looks like St. George's is falling apart. So at this point, you're thinking, this is over. What the hell is happening in this tournament? St. George's is going to lose. At that point, we didn't know Gateway was the juggernaut that it was. So you're thinking, hold on. They lose game one to Bimini, and then now they're going to lose to TC, who didn't even win the the BAISS. Who would have won BAISS if they would have gone past Queens College? If they had one good overtime. But anyway, so now they lose. Now they're gonna lose to TC, who didn't even make the BAISS final. And what happens? PG twenty five comes into the game. In comes Paul Green, and that's it. Completely changed the complexion what was of the that, stats game in that game and of the tournament. He finished with nineteen points, eleven rebounds. So in the two most important games. For St. George's. Well, anything after the Bimini game no, but is important. This was this was the one though, because they're already reeling. They were on the ropes. Imagine somebody being on the ropes. You're on the ropes. You're about to get knocked out. He comes in the game and completely changes everything. So you're trying to make a thirty for thirty out of this. I'm trying to, I am trying to say this is why he's the most important player of the tournament, not just of the championship game. You see, John, somebody with Dorset blood knows when it's time to step up. And when it's time to make plays in the most pivotal moments. Remember the AFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that. Remember that. Mm-hmm. When the Patriots offense was struggling, and what did Philip Dorsett do? Made the play. But you got to remember, he made the play like a year and a half before when he locked arms with Tom Brady in the protest. It's what Dorsett's do. It's just what happened in this moment. Even though he's green, but cool. Yeah, Dorsett blooded. I did say Dorsett <laughs> blooded, okay? It's what, hap- it's what happens. And so... So he finishes at 19 and 11 against TC. St. George's goes on to win, but we still were wondering would we see the team that was dominant throughout the year? Would we see the team that was dominant in Hugh Campbell? And I think he kind of turned things around for them because after that, even in the games that they were struggling, the rest of the team stepped up and you had what you described this very balanced offense that carried them the rest of the way. Uh, <laughs> just watching CS coach, it was pretty funny because he's like, a super non-cursing Mario. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. That's all it is. It's just like he almost Bobby Knight the thing and threw a chair across it. <laughs> I think his 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 outbursts are funnier because he tries so hard to restrain it. You know what I mean? And that's why it was one when he was getting into it with the refs and a lot of coaches got into it with the refs this tournament. And he literally had to sit down. Like he just sat down and folded his arms because it was almost it was at that point where he went, if I get up and I say something, I am going to lose my mind. I mean, you know, inside sources say y'all might as well pay the refs. Just <laughs> saying. Maybe you get better calls if they're paid. I mean, isn't anybody that's supposed to be working a national event supposed to be getting paid? I mean, I don't think there's no volunteers in this. People take time off from work and you fly them there. You may want to pay the people for doing a job. Yeah. I mean, and don't complain. You know, you just, get what you get what you pay for. That's just that's just my take on it. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm just a dude talking in a microphone on the Internet. You ain't got to listen to me. But let's talk about the St. George's program then. Like we said, first team to win two national titles. One of only two teams to make the title game three times. And clearly at this point, Grand Bahama just dominates nationals. 
Yeah, I mean, it also helps that they play at home. Just it, that is a huge factor. Like, um, and I don't like making excuses isn't the best thing to do. But at the same time, sometimes it is. Yeah, not having to travel helps. Not having to travel when you don't know when you're going to be getting somewhere helps because it's not like they have to be like, oh, when's my flight? Oh, it's the day of the game that we play. No, they're there from the jump. Mm-hmm. So, well. For years, that's what Grand Bahama had to go through when they traveled to Nassau for Hugh Campbell. Yeah. They've been playing on the road for like three decades. So now Nationals come and you have a better tournament, in my opinion, and they get to host it at home. Now, the fact that it's in St. George's gym, now see, that's different. Because I guess you had it when AF Adley was a senior high school. So AF Adley, they they had it in their home gym. But now it's neutral once you get to the final four in Hugh Campbell. I would just like to see, um, like, I don't mind it being in Grand Bahama the whole time because why not give them something? And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just something where. Well, it's it's almost as if they earned it for sustained excellence in the sport. Yeah. Like, they, they dominated Hugh Campbell like, for years. Just, yeah, just make the Nationals, like, you know, you have the, the, the final four where they play the first four and it's always in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. You know? They they rotate things, but at the same time you have like these conferences who play the the conference championships in Nashville every year or Memphis and I mean you just put it there just you know how about we just put the money into the St George's gym and get new rims get better lighting you know make it into a uh, an arena that can hold an event like this without. But I'm surprised with the history of the game in Grand Bahama that you don't have that kind of multi-purpose facility already that's on the level that can host something like that. Like, I, I think that's that's the most glaring thing about all of this because if anybody should have it, they should have something like that. Now, let me ask you this. What if NASA has a multi-purpose <laughs> I mean, facility? NASA at least has Kendall, though. Like, do the Chinese not know Grand Bahama exists? Like Nassau at least has no, does, does the Bahamian government know that Grand Bahama exists? No, they don't. I mean, like that much is certain. No, they don't. No, I lie. Wasn't one of those dudes was there for the photo op to present like the trophies? Peter right? Turnquist. Oh, somebody was there. I don't pay attention to politicians. And then Michael Pintard was there. Like you know, all these politicians love to just talk. Yeah, I give it now. Like they actually don't care about what's going on. Like they, they could, just, they they're could, there for the photo ops. They could easily say okay, because let's put it this way: St. George has that big stage. I know it's a school, but they have this big stage. And they have some space going into the um, back office. They could remodel that whole arena and just be like, F it. Or you just build a new one. Yeah. How about y'all just build a new one so we could have, you know, nice stuff? Listen, I just think if <laughs> Crown Baham has been dominant in basketball for a very long time, this this isn't new. We grew up watching them dominate before Nassau went on a streak and started winning some. Now, a Nassau team has won, the, they won the first Nationals when CC Sweeting won it. But since then, we haven't even had a Nassau team in the final the last three years. It's been all Grand Bahama for three straight years. Like, clearly, their heads clearly and better than above us. everybody else. Like, that's what it is. Because clearly, Hugh Campbell don't count. So don't no, start I saying, don't... I win a Hugh Campbell. No one cares about Hugh Campbell. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great when that's the only big-time tournament that you have, but now you have a national See, tournament. See, if, if I was a coach, I wouldn't even play in Hugh Campbell. No, they, Hugh Campbell should be, now that they don't have the Family Island Division in Nationals, how about you make that for the smaller schools? Like, that's what Hugh Campbell should be. Yeah. Make that your, At one point, if you don't follow college basketball, at one point, the NIT was the tournament. 
You know when it didn't become the tournament anymore? When more funding and a bigger, better thing came along. So make you gamble like the NIT. That's yeah, exactly. And then also you have it's during midterm break or whatever. Then have nationals during midterm break and you don't gotta worry about kids skipping school and Ooh, this they and that. Should compete head to head. Yeah. They should just do that straight just up and one compete head to head. Which you could pick nationals or Hugh Campbell. Well, no. You don't even have the decision. The top 12 teams go to nationals. Yeah. Then by de facto, just by that, ev- the, everyone else can Everybody go. else go to Hugh Campbell. Because only 12 get to go to nationals. Yep. That's the way it is. Well, only 12 should get only to go. Tw- you know what? Only 12 should. Uh, next year, they're going to have 24. Jesus Christ. And there's going to be the same amount of days, and they're going to be playing on the outdoor courts. Oh, I hate these people who organize stuff. All right, we're, we're, we're bouncing way ahead of schedule. Let's go back to St. George's uh, for, for a moment, though. But you mentioned that nobody really stood out because it's a very balanced team. And I think that's the kind of teams that, that Sarah's always has. Like, him and his staff, you could tell by the way their teams play, they pride themselves on certain principles. Who's Sia's last dominant player? dominant like player. last player and i don't mean like a hensy or you know like yeah, yeah, they, they were yeah. they were good players but Hinzy they still played harvey yeah they year. still played in the system who was his Devon, last player Devonte jennings was with the team who was the alpha and it was just everything relied on him because the thing is everything Magnum? <laughs> maybe that's what i'm maybe that's it but it's always or maybe Cantuan, but it's always a balance team even then they probably were more balanced yeah we just probably don't remember the other guys but they're always a balanced team they're always a team that shoots the ball well they have they have size they have shooting and what's important is they have depth because when you lose the first game like they did you gotta play seven games to win this tournament Boy, they gotta play so many games. seven they, games they to don't win. even play seven games in this regular season they ba- they basically play a season in, well, it feels like we're there for a whole season when we go to Freeport. Oh, but yeah. they basically play a season once you lose one game in the Nationals. So depth plays an important factor. But I just think the way he coaches should be celebrated because it's clearly sustained excellence. You had Samuel Pinder, who didn't really have many good games in the tournament, but he's who that that team relied on to be a great shooter. And he stepped up big time in the championship game. That's where that balance comes from. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I was watching when I was watching that first game against gateway, I remember I messaged you with like a minute, some in the game and they were only down by like four or five or maybe six. And I messaged you and I said, wait, Georges lose. Yeah. Like it was to the point. I honestly didn't believe it. I was like, yeah. what? I thought you was doing your, your John no. thing, but I was like, no way. I was just like, George's lose. Like, there's no way. Like, that that could have been a two-point game, and St. George's wouldn't have won that game because they were just that off. Like, you're just watching the game. Like, what happened? And that's, I mean, we, we go to it, but that's why I think single elimination is so important. Yeah. Because you have to bring your A game every, every single, single, or you have to bring your Duke game where you're just good enough to win. Yeah. Every single time. And the... the well, we were we were at a moment where we were wondering what happened to St. George's. They were able to fix things and right the ship because it's double elimination. I think the, one of the most surprising things about the tournament is the team that couldn't fix things and right the ship, and that's Doris Johnson. Yeah. What the hell happened to the Doris Johnson Mystic Marlins? I mean, throughout the entire season, like, Doris, what they had was defense. Let's just put it that way. They they really didn't have that much scoring. You had 
um, Janice, who who was the scorer, and McCoy. So you you know, McCoy would get he, McCoy can't develop his own shot type thing. Yeah, he, it, he's, he's it, a guy that yeah. scores on offensive exactly. rebounds and putbacks on hustle plays, pretty like much. That. Yeah, and the problem is if Janice doesn't hit his shots. Literally, it seems like no one hits their shots. I don't know. Uh, is number 10 Burroughs or something yeah, like Joshua that? Yeah, Burroughs. Like, he played a really disappointing tournament. Like, And I, I just have to be honest. I look at Doris, and I never thought that they were like, wow, this is such a great team. I honestly thought they were a middle-average team. Like, they won when they won Hugh Campbell and beat St. George's, everyone was just like, well, there was two sides to it because – I was with a bunch of Freeport people, but everyone's like, oh, look at Doris. They're a serious contender because they were able to beat uh, St. George's. And like I say, for me, Hugh Campbell means absolutely nothing. Like, I, I believe even with these players, it's the coaches who are holding on to this. This, this, this fake yeah, prestige or this whatever. Prestige, this Hugh Campbell thing. It's a fundraiser for a junior high school. Let's yeah. call it what it is. And honestly, Hugh Campbell, I think, would be better if you put it at the beginning of the year. And it helps the teams who, who are getting ready for the season. You know what? If it is a fundraiser for a junior high school, then why don't they make that the big-time junior tournament? Because they want to have money in their pockets. Oh. I mean, that's all it is. But but yeah, to Doris. Um, yeah, let me just go back to the Daryl and Freeport because I think Daryl's been to a ton of Hugh Campbell finals and has never won yeah, one. Yeah, he's never won. He's never won one. And he was just like... I remember Norris was like, boy, he can't go to um, Freeport because they're going to be on him. And to me, it's just like... But you Campbell don't mean nothing. But he's won two national titles exactly. now. So what do you rather have? It's like, who really cares if he doesn't win Hugh I would Campbell? rather have the two national titles. Yeah, I would rather titles. have the national Easily. titles too. But it's like, Doris just wasn't an impressive team. Like, Doris, they won a bunch of games in the regular season by razor-thin margins. Um, see, like, I don't think CC Sweden was that good this year. CC Sweden was able to hold, you know. These teams were able to hold up with Doris. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You're, you're right about this. Their calling card was that defense. And when that defense was functioning the way I think Coach Bulls intended for it to, they looked like the most dominant team. But see, the defense only function with dribble penetration teams. Once teams start hitting jump shots, then all of a sudden your defense is no more and you need a new game plan. Well, I'll tell you, that's what, that's what nearly got them in the Hugh Campbell final because St. George's started hitting those jumpers. And they opened up this wide, they opened up this margin. I think they were up by about like eight or nine or something like that. But then Doris Johnson, that defense, that defensive intensity kicked in. They started turning the ball over a lot and the Jaguars kind of unraveled and Doris was able to win at the end. That didn't happen in, in nationals whatsoever. And just to speak to your point of how much this team struggled offensively, Janice Shepard was the only player to average in double figures. And he averaged, uh, I think it was just like 10 and a half points over those five what, games. What did McCoy have? McCoy had, what, six and a half or something he like averaged, that? He averaged 6.8 points in yeah. seven and, and a half points And if you go Burroughs, Burroughs averaged, what, three points a game? 4.6. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't even know what they averaged. Like, I didn't look at that. But, but it's better It's it's better than, but, than that. Yeah, but you could see, like, because Burroughs needs to be a nine point a game. McCoy needs to be 15. Janice needs to be 15. You know, that's the only way you win. It's like... What is the number six point guard? What do you average? Five points a game or something yeah, like that? Around that. Like, I'm, I don't even look at these stats. I'm just watching the game, and it's like no one on that team is averaging anything. They had, they had a whole lot of surprisingly low scores, and I know this year the quarters were six minutes. Also, I hate that. Yeah, no, that no, that was dumb. 
But even e- given that, though, even though the games were shorter, I still expected more from, from that offense. They didn't score above 50 points for the tournament until that last game against Tabernacle, and that was a 12-point loss. Yeah. That was a game where th- it was decided pretty early on. But they get the first, they lost to Tabernacle twice, so clearly Tabernacle does something that... Well, one thing I could say about Tabernacle, I could say that... like I, I really feel that these Freeport coaches coach for the game they don't they're not some of these coaches here i'm gonna play my game and that's the only way it's going to be no they adjust for just for whatever because you could see even against um tabernacle and sunland coach clark came up to me after they beat sunland and he was like this is the what did they beat sunland who they beat who who did tabernacle beat? yeah did they beat sunland or to get to at which point to get to the final i'm trying to think anyways coach there was one team coach clark was telling me and he was like this is the only team that plays me the best because they know our game plan and they play to that. They say, no, someone else is going to beat us. It isn't going to be him. We're good. I think they played a box one. So oh, and Josh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Josh was always like, Josh probably had what? Eight, nine points that game, something like that. So it was like, you have these coaches here who just don't adjust. And to me, that's the biggest deal. Like Sears adjusted the, his whole damn team after they lost to, to um, gateway, gateway. In the first game. Yeah. And it's like, you watched them. Um, Agape should have beaten CC Sweden. Yeah. Like, let's just. They definitely no, should have. No, the, the things, like, Agape was up and it was just mental mistakes. And I don't I, I don't know what it is. It, it, it's maybe because they're just not used to playing. I was about to say, I, I saw that happen and I thought it was. I looked at that and I said, that's just a lack of reps. Yeah. It's not that that team is better than them, but that team has been in this moment more times. Yeah. And so they were prepared for it. It was strictly just a lack of reps. And yeah. that's, I think that's the disadvantage the Family Island teams have because they don't play the same amount of games. They don't have the luxury of playing in these different tournaments and yeah. traveling as much. Even if, like, I mean, we could go on later for that with my, my great ideas for Nationals. Yeah, you have many. But, um, but yeah. yeah, so so the, the first game that... So in round one, Doris, they beat Jack Hayward pretty easily. Round two... They had a familiar opponent, GHS, beat them pretty easily. And then the third game where they faced Tabernacle, they put up 31 points. That was ridiculous. And and you know what? They put up 31, but they had like a 16-point first quarter. And whatever happened after that first quarter changed the course of that team for the rest of this tournament. Because I think, I don't know if it was the second or the third, but they had a quarter where they scored one. No field goals. They had a single point in that quarter, and they're just their offense was just never the same after that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I and I tell you, like some people would be mad. I just didn't see them as a dominant team. Like they, I like I spoke to to Dominic before the um, before we left the Nationals, and he was like, "Anatago win." I said, "Bridgewater." Hey. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Nato, right? <laughs> He has the pride of a sack person. Yeah. So when you, any he, he thinks Anatol is going to win every single game. Yeah, and I'm just telling, and I was just like, nah, they ain't gonna win. I said, don't get me wrong, they have the athletes, but I said, I think St. George's wins, and I told him that, like he he won't vouch for it because he could just say nobody. He ain't never say that. But um, he admitted it. No, he. he oh. I, but I told him, I said St. George is gonna win, and he's like, why do you think that? I said, because St. George's has shooters. Like, to me, shooters is the most important thing in Bahamian basketball history of all time. Like, anyone could... You could just say basketball. Yeah, anyone could penetrate and drive. But when you have someone that... <laughs> Talking to you, entire G-Triple-S-A. Yeah, when you have someone, people that... People 
Not just one person. People, people. yes. Because it's one thing to have just one shooter, but when you have several, yeah. like, to go back to St. George's again, when Pinder wasn't knocking down threes, Butters was doing it. They, their five, their center was yep. stepping out and hitting threes. So, I just felt that's, that, like I said, doors to me just didn't It impress. just wasn't there. Offensively, yeah. offensively, they just couldn't get it done, and that that's what happened. So, they, they defeated Jack Hayward for the second time to make it to the Final Four, but again ran into Tabernacle and Tabernacle clearly it was something about that team they just could not beat they just couldn't and when you look at it Doris Johnson wasn't really they didn't they weren't really a big team like they played three guards and you mentioned McCoy McCoy is their leading rebounder but he's more of an undersized athletic guy yeah but he didn't have this he doesn't have the size to dominate McCoy is really a two yeah he's a two he's a two three Playing a four or five yeah. in the Bahamas. Then that's, that's the reality of it. Like he's super athletic. He has the potential. Well, I mean, now you got to say you going to Canada because that's the only place. Where I he, wanted to see him. I wanted to see him put the ball on the floor yeah, a bit more. Like he, I don't even know if he can do. Maybe he can do it, yeah. but he just didn't have the opportunity if, to. If he well, he should have done it because someone his size. Um, pause. Someone. Who, Thank you for that. Yeah, who he looks like a basketball player. That's the thing. Like he looks. No, I absolutely believe that this dude can play. Yeah, he looks like a two guard. So let him. And and, and this is another thing with, and I'll say it, Bahamian coaches. Just because a person's six foot six, doesn't mean he's a center. Look at how Romad plays. Yeah. Look at how Clark has Romad Dean playing at Tabernacle. He plays most of the time on the wing. Yeah, and because that's, he knows. He is preparing for the next level. This ain't about what he does right now. He needs to know how to play. And that's the thing. Like, a lot of people might have watched Romad and not have been that impressed. Um, But you got to understand. They also don't know how young he is. Yeah. But you got to understand what Coach Clark is doing. Coach Clark has colleges calling him and saying, this guy is a 2-3. Yes. Absolutely. You need to have him doing this Coach Clark is playing him. At two three, so go through those struggles now. Exactly, it's not about how you so, look in Hugh Campbell on exactly. nationals. Go through those struggles now. Learn to play the position, and that's the thing that that's what it is to be a coach. A coach needs to realize sometimes it's bigger than this. It's bigger than just winning nationals. Like, granted, they had a good enough team to be able to to get it, but at the same time, you have to think big picture. Like, all right, what's going to be the best for my players? Like, what do you want to be known as? And and. I know what I want to be known as, but do I want to be known as someone who has won a bunch of nationals at U Campbell's, or do I want to be known as a coach who gets kids off to go to college? That's a very interesting question, and I honestly think that is the most pressing question in Bahamian basketball right now. Like, what kind of coach do you want to be? Do you want people to just say, your resume is this, 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 and that? Or do you want people to say, well, look at what his products have gone on to do. Like, his products play... It doesn't even have to be Division One, but his yeah, his products they, go on off. to play college basketball. Because they use the game to get educated, or I just win a whole bunch of titles, and then you just see my guys knocking around doing nothing after that. Because you could almost say it's like the Coach Cal effect, right? <laughs> well, I mean, go on. But but I, I would say it's a little different than Coach Cal. Coach Cal is already not as, not as awesome. No, as what you mean. <laughs> but Coach Cal's main objective, and people complain. To get to the NBA. Like, That's what it is. Yeah. Do you go to college to get a job? If I'm playing college basketball, I'm hoping for a shot for professional basketball, and whatever I it is. Know, I, listen, I know I'm not going to be there for four years. Who is going to get me prepared right away? It's, it's Cal exactly. And, but the difference, I think, with Coach Clark is Coach Clark actually has to mold these 
young men into a different thinking pattern of saying, oh, I can make it out. Like Coach Cal gets these kids who already have all these pra- all this praise, used to this media attention, this and that, where Coach Clark has to literally get a kid who knows absolutely nothing about the, the real world. But the, the thing about... And prepare the, them for that. The thing what I do like about Tabernacle's approach is it starts at the junior level. Yeah. So they basically have one system that you come up on. And that helps with basketball. Like, they have a junior club pretty much, whereas uh, St. George's doesn't have the a junior school or Jack Hayward doesn't have a junior school. I know they have, like, schools that yeah. people go to and then they go to St. George's, but... Like you say, Tabernacle has something where they have their junior program that can run the same offense. As so you're basically under the same coaching and, and leadership straight, straight throughout. It's kind of what happens with, with D.W. Davis and C.I. Gibson. Yeah, with you have a feeder K, system. With Hannah and K.J. working but, together. But look at, um, if I'm not mistaken, Quinton's nephew. Yeah, Jared, nephew, Jared Hall. Jared Hall. Mm-hmm. They call him Animal. Yeah. Okay. Because he has an attitude. <laughs> But you look at him, right? And he came up through that system, and all he wants to do, like we spoke to three on, he's all gonna he, be good. He all, all he wants to do is play ball. He doesn't work out. He plays video game. Apparently, he has like a three point seven GPA or something like that. He's 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 gonna be good. And I told three on, I was like, well, you have to send them off. He's like, not when you have a three point seven. It's like, no, you need to send them off because he needs to learn the work ethic of what they're doing away. Wait, what does he mean not when you have a three point seven? I guess he said he gets to any college or something, but. I'm thinking the basketball standpoint. Oh, the 3.7 is the reason you send him off. Yeah. Because he can fit in anywhere. Because you're able to use... You're, listen, you're able to use the use the game the best when you're good in the classroom. Because then you make yourself marketable to anybody. Yeah. You're not pigeonholed to one or two choices because you don't have the grades. If when you can... have those grades, you open to the whole thing. But you could just see like the attitude that he plays with like... And you can see his basketball pedigree he stepped, in that family. He stepped up all the way in that in that semifinal game. Yeah. Like, they put him in. in I think a, he had, like, he nine consecutive points. They, and he, he did it everywhere. He jump shot, three-point yeah. shot, drive to the lane type thing. And drew an offensive fight. It was one series where the shot clock was running down. Nobody else could get open. So he crossed over a guy, got into the lane hit a floater, and the next triple quarter in defense drew an offensive foul. And he just had the whole gym rocking. He had the momentum on their side. And I just, I, in that moment, I said, this kid is going to be amazing. Like, yeah. he is going to be really See, good. See, that's your kid. 13. <laughs> he's he's going to be good. Number 13 anyway, for Tabby. So, all right. So, let's get, let's get to your favorite team of this tournament and the team that was almost the story. They got Gate- robbed. Gateway. They got robbed. They were almost the story of this tournament. Now, they didn't have a Family Island division this year. Uh, the Family Island division was cut. But we were saying for the last two years, Gateway is good enough yeah, to Gateway play. Yeah, Gateway shouldn't be in. They're good enough to Here play we go. In Division 1. First rule of nationals. Bimini, Grand Bahama, Abaco, Nassau should never be in the Family Island division. Bam. Ah, uh, See, I know, though. Because you have... First rule. You have... <laughs> You Make, got some hey? small schools in this country. Yeah. I mean, in on those islands. You got one school in Bimini, probably. Yeah. And then you probably got a couple in. But you know what the thing is? You make them know from the jump, y'all always in the big boy division. Y'all have a spot here. Y'all get your basketball game up. But the thing about it is, in Gateway, have they have gotten their basketball game up. They travel well. And you can see that that is a team that 
was not shocked by the lights at all. They had a system they intended to run. They did that. It's a team, like you said, you don't have one shooter, but you have a team committed to being able to score in a variety of ways because they had several guys that could really shoot the basketball. And I think that's what threw off a lot of these teams because it wasn't just coming from one spot. Yeah, you had probably the best player throughout the course of this tournament. Bradley, oh, yeah. Bradley Lightborn. Hands down. Leading scorer in the tournament, led the tournament in defensive rebounds and steals. He was doing everything. Like yeah. Bradley Lightborn is a top five player in the country. And easily. it's not even like, you could look at him and he has an attitude. Like, he's a team player. Like, And that's the thing I can say about Bimini. Bimini, everyone knew their role. Yeah. Like, it was one of those things where no one was a superstar. No one was bigger than anyone. You never saw, for example, 21 Savage take a shot and people complain about him shooting the ball. You know? Like, 21 Savage. Okay. I got to let, let y'all know. So, we know how ridiculous John is about UCF. Gateway was his UCF for this tournament. Like, he attached all of his fandom to certain players on this team. And t- 21 Savage, Zakaro Kelly. What What is the best way I can describe him? He's He knows his role. He comes in to shoot the ball. Shoot a shoot, man. And he just shoots. He shoots. has a quick release. He's not the most athletic Just player. not even a quick release. Like he would, I would say... He would legit catch the ball in the corner, look down and say... It's a long range. No, I go in behind the three-point line. Take a step line. back, chuck and, a three. And then shoot it. And he was making it. He's one of those fan favorites, and he obviously became one of John's favorite. Another one of John's favorites. Number, number seven. S- number seven. Number seven. Valdez Edgecombe. John is convinced that this kid is going to be the next Bahamian basketball player. Look, this is what I saw, right? He just looks like a... When he stands, he looks like a basketball player. He's 14 years old. That's what I've been told. That's what the, that's what the sources say. He's 14 years old. Now, this is what I saw. He wore number seven. Yes. Buddy wore number seven over the summer for the national team. And I was just like, why does Buddy remind me of Buddy? So you see, you see the comparisons. Yeah. You see the young Buddy Hill comparison. Because he could, and he, not just that, he shot the ball well. He did. He, he really did. Like, and he's 14. And like you say, it's under the lights like that. Just didn't care. Yeah. And we talked about Hall, but at least he was playing and he's playing in Grand Bahama. You got a kid from Bimini. That mm-hmm. is coming at there. And you know what I liked about this team, though? Everyone else may have been surprised, but they weren't. No. Like, they went and they expected to win these games. And I think that's a testament to their coaching staff. Like, they came in prepared, and they had that drilled into their minds. You guys are supposed to win. I think so- Bimini has at least three of the top 24 junior players or under 18 players in the country. I could see that. I could see that. Number so- 15. <laughs> Number 35, number 7. Look, I may not no, know y'all names. <laughs> I may not remember y'all names, right? 15 is Chester McPhee. But just know, know me knowing your numbers is, is pretty much more important than me knowing your name. So they come out and... When and I cut tape, I don't see name. That's true. I see, numbers. see numbers. So in their first game, they come out, they dominate St. John's. Like, it wasn't even a contest. The that game was, was so great. Because the game was done by, like, the third quarter. The third? By, like, the second? Yeah, maybe at halftime, the game was done. They just ran rough shot over St. John's. And St. John's came over on the flight with me. And anyway, so in game number two, that's when you had the biggest shock. Because that's when, that's when they beat St. George's. But they handily beat them, though. Yeah, it was... It was a cut ass. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. Because even Sears would tell you, yeah, like yeah. It, it it wasn't it was a it wasn't competitive. Like 
yeah, maybe your boy PG twenty five was hurt or whatever. But, I mean, listen, let's but, let's not gloss over that. By the way, the but thing is, though, Bimini came out and they hit their shots and they played their brand of basketball. Like it got to a, like I said, it got to a point where you know how it's like, don't let its team stay close type thing. Yeah. Gateway is good, but don't let them stay close because they ended up getting the confidence because there was a point St. George's made a run and they said, Mm-mm, this ain't happening. And Bradley, I remember that. And Bradley Lightborn, he made a big three. Like yep. he was like he was doing that whole tournament. And he was shooting unconscious too. Like he has that Kevin Durant kind of, I'm going to pull up from anywhere yep. game and it worked. But then they after they beat St. George's, it didn't stop there because they continued and they took down another powerhouse. They beat C.I. Gibson. I mean, that's a big deal for it because I'm pretty sure this is the first time for Gateway that they beat a lot of these um, teams. Comment of the tournament was the person who wrote, I guess, Gateway is sending CI back to go watch Buju. (laughs) They they couldn't reach in time. Unfortunately, (laughs) they couldn't reach in time. That Buju night was, the comment section was all about Buju. Yeah, it was great. Everything was just about Buju. Bravo comment section. Oh, our comment section is the latest, always. And we, we know that. Gateway then goes on. They beat Sunland by one, and this was that was a crazy, crazy, game. really crazy game. But it shows that I honestly believe it's a skill to be able to win those kind of close games yeah. to make the right decision and right plays in those moments. What was it? As I say, Sunland UCF'd it. They, yeah, they got to the free throw line, missed they, a bunch. They had they had to get two to tie. They missed one, then they got to free throw line again with like point one second or something missed like that. Them both. Missed them both. Pressure is burst pipe, man. And then from out of nowhere, well, I guess not from out of nowhere because at this time, St. George's had been building up to return to form. And then you have the final four rematch, Gateway and St. George's. I imagine Gateway had to be coming in with some kind of confidence. We know we beat this team the first time we played them. But that second matchup, St. George's destroyed The problem with that is, and this is the problem I have with double elimination, it's like, You've worked so hard to beat that team. And it's and let's just put it this way. It's it's a name recognition type thing. It's like us against Duke in the champ in, in in the tournament. If we could beat them that one time, but we play them ten more times, we're losing blowouts. Like that's just that's just basketball. Basketball is something where either you have a series or you have one game. So they had they had that one game where they played so well and they beat St. George's the first time, but the second time, like I don't know what Coach Sears did. I don't know what he said to them before that game, but it was like everybody nodded their head and said, This is the St. George's team that we expected. And I think it started with Pinder that game because he came out and he was he was shooting lights out from three point range. He shot four for six from And, and that's the thing, they were hitting the, they were hitting all their shots. But this is where I hate it for the double elimination format where it's like now Gateway doesn't have a shot. Like that's it. If, if you're going to play double elimination, the only game I believe that isn't double elimination is championship. Once you, but if you're going throughout the whole tournament, then you say, oh, it's a pool. Ch-. I feel that, that that that's unfair. Like, you, yeah. if it's a double elimination, you give me my two games that I can lose. So here's the thing. If this was single elimination, would Gateway be your national champions by now? Because St. George's wouldn't have been there. They probably would have, you know. Because they would have probably... Look, they beat Sunland. And I believe if they beat that St. George's team, they could have beat anybody. Oh, yeah. No, I believe that they could have... They would have beat um, beat Tabernacle. Yeah. Because the problem with St. George's is St. George's... Tabernacle has one shooter. Like, one real shooter. Josh. 
Well, Ethan as well. No, no, but I mean one real shooter. Yeah. Ethan could develop. He made and more threes than anyone else in the tournament, though. He led the tournaments in, in, in three-pointers. He hit four against Doris to eliminate, though. See? <laughs> I'm just saying. The, I was Most three-point teams got no, more than one shooter. I was just going to say, like, I took two great pictures of Tabernacle in the first quarter, and I turned it on and said they could lose this game. Because whenever you get a great whenever picture. Whenever I get a great picture, it's just like, I just can't use it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we t- we talked a lot about it. What we thought should change in the tournament, but I mean, you said you have a whole lot of ideas. You want it to be single elimination, single elimination off the bat. Like, not only is single elimination, I feel more exciting because it then makes every game count. But also, it makes it cheaper for the tournament. Like, you don't have to host it five days. You could. You and literally, that is so much better on the media covering it because my god, I you feel literally like could fly in weeks. on that Wednesday, Thursday. Fr- you could, you could have championship on Saturday or Sunday uh, at that time, and you could have you know what? You could have your eighteen teams. No, no, I do, and that's another. I wanted no, no, that no, no, to no. be our second yeah. point, but no, no, I no. don't want a single to be. elimination. You could have eighteen. If it's double elimination, you got to go to twelve. I just want exclusivity around this. I get the exclusivity, but also if it's single elimination. I would just be like, trust me, I would love 12 teams, one game shot, and that's it. That's I feel like that is the best format to do it. Should I honestly there. feel like that's the best way to do it. March Madness makes a billion dollars a year. And there's a reason because every you know there is no second chance. Exactly. There's no second chance. Everyone is playing with their stakes at their highest. Look, if you don't have a great game, then that's uh-huh. just what it is. It's a one-game sample size. We would have had to say, I'm sorry, St. George's. You didn't have that great game in your first one. You got to be up out of here. You know what the crazy thing is? None of those teams would complain if they if they had to go home after losing the game in a, in a one. That Look, that's just the way it is. That's the exclusivity of the tournament. You just have to be prepared to play. Yep, and you have to be prepared to go home. You got to be prepared to go home. That's, what, else would, what else would we change? So I... Double I really, elimination, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I feel that they need to have playing games. Because I hate... First of all, I don't know who this committee is. Who is this committee? Exactly. We're trying to figure out who this committee is, we right? We don't know who the committee now, is. Now... Why I, are we in on it? I was talking to, to sources inside the organization of Bahamas Basketball High I mean, we Nationals. should be on the committee, right? Yeah, we should. And Who covers uh, more games than we do? No one. Who watches more games than oh, we do? God, no one. Why are we in on the committee? <laughs> Anyways... Back to apparently their rules, and it's like G Triple S A gets four teams. It's like okay, no, you shouldn't automatically give teams because no. they're in from a certain league. Like, and I get at large bids and all that, but at the same time, I agree with okay, you got your automatic qualifiers, right? Maybe your runner-up team could get an at large, but maybe your third place G Triple S A team and runner-up in BISS, you ain't know who you want to choose. Guess what, guys? Playing game, Playing, yeah. bam, have it in Nassau. That's what they should absolutely... Listen, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, people. We have a very successful model to follow. We can just scale it down to fit us, and we do that exact same thing. Just take everything that the NCAA tournament does and bring it here. You know what that also can do? Because we would know how to sell this. You can sell bracket in this thing and you can have people predicting it. You follow the same wheel, yep. but you can't sell people on, hey, fill out this bracket if there's double elimination because no, nobody knows how that shit works. No. 
Like I have to do this, and then there's a, it's it, all kind of. Did you see the bracket? It it looks friggin' ridiculous. You couldn't even read it the looks, damn thing. It, oh, what is that movie where Russell Crowe, be- A Beautiful Mind? It looks like just him on the chalkboard, just the board. scribbling a whole bunch of crap. That's what a double elimination bracket looks like. Also, no, let's make it clean. Let's make it single elimination. Let's have the play-in games, and we can market this better. Exactly, eight minute quarters. Let's don't glorify yourselves as a Hugh Campbell. Yeah, that's, like and, and this is the thing I always that, tell that was people. Trash. I was like, I'm like, okay, y'all nationals or y'all Hugh Campbell? Because everyone's like, oh, we want to be different from Hugh Campbell, and why are you having six minute quarters? Like to me, and I tell people all the time, those two minutes in every sing, at the end of every quarter is important because that's either when teams make runs or you get tired. And that shows who the real teams are. Those six minute, and that could have been something with the Gateway and St. George's. That thing. is true because it, they did not have the depth. They yeah. didn't have the depth so for these other teams. It, like I guess it, it's just the way that basketball works is eight minute quarters. If this is the Nationals, if this is the big show, I want to play at the big show time every single time. Like it ain't no, oh, well, we're going to have six minute and we're going to have three minute halftime. No, everything is standardized as the same throughout the entire tournament. And how about we start on time? Jesus Christ, that was going to be my next point. Okay, let's let's talk to these organizing people, by the way. NBA games on the East Coast. NBA, the highest level of basketball in the world. You know what time NBA games on the East Coast start? That's right, 7.15. So let's think of some of the great players that play on NBA East Coast. Joel Embiid, Dwayne Wade, Giannis. They all play at 7.15. These are the best players in the world. Best. Why the hell are we starting games at 9 o'clock? Why do everyone think we're in L.A.? These kids get school tomorrow. Or even if they don't. I, why are you starting games at 9 o'clock? Also, here's another thing. I have thing. deadlines. Yeah, here's the thing. And it's not just the deadlines. If you're one stupid opening ceremony every single game, do that a half hour before tip-off. What do we need opening Hold on. Do they for? sing the national anthem at, at, at 7.15 or do they sing that at 6.55? They sing in a 655 because tip-off is, is 715. And it's just like, get it through y'all heads that y'all ain't the important people in this goddamn tournament. Nobody comes, nobody is, Nobody's here to see you speak. Nobody has ever paid to go in a gym to watch an opening ceremony. No. Nobody has ever been interested in any of these speeches. And you know what, Bombers? If you start an event on time, people will learn to come to the event when the event is set to yeah, start. Let's, let's do away with this dumb notion that we're waiting until people get in. No, the other way around. You start when you start, and then people will adjust accordingly. But this whole opening ceremony thing is so useless, and it's never for the kids. It's all for people that want to pat themselves Pop on circumstance. the back. Please, please cut that crap out. Like, it's... We sang the national anthem twice on one day. It's not like y'all ain't saying that like, message like 17 times before that. I like the national anthem. Our national anthem is like Timothy Gibson did a great job. We only got to sing it once. Yeah. you sing Like it. we ain't got to sing it for two different games. Yeah. It's the same as it was an hour ago. It, like it's good. Here's the best thing you should do. You have that. We could pray once. Yeah. If you have that game on Monday, that girls game should be at 4 p.m. Right? Yeah. So you can go 4 to 6. How about y'all start your crap at 7.30? Let them start their crap at 7. No, see, trust and have me. the game at 7.30. Let's make these baby steps right now. No, you, for, you force them. You and force at 7.45, showtime. I want them to start at 7.15. If Dwayne Wade starts at 7.15, then they can start at 7.15. But you got to okay? understand that all of these people, because their news is the most important thing that they have. Well, and, you got to get it on a delay. And Yeah. I mean, you probably make up time when halftime comes, you know? 
but yeah, no, let's let let's get this on time thing going. And That's, it's just it's just one of those things. It's it's annoying, is what it is. Y'all don't live how we live when we go free. Because literally, you wake up, you go to the gym, you're there all day. Because to me, the like the workload gets less. This is very personal to us, by yeah. the way. It gets we less cover all of this stuff as you go. But you gotta understand, the first day is pretty much the most important day, and you need to get every game that you can because that is the day when pretty much I know that this is why double elimination sucks. That's the day when every game is pretty much important, and you know how the tournament should be turning out for the rest of the the weekend and yeah all right and there's so much more but i just ain't got time but we need to make a list of the top we literally have an infinite amount of the, time we run our own podcast yeah, the, no god we're trying to be like them and start 9 p.m like these That's people true. trying to go sleep you That's know true. Well, these, it's like these people only got a lunch break they only get an hour uh, <laughs> if they listen to this before, before we get out of here we got to go back to where we started how dominant was st john's I just love how boring St. John's made it. Nobody from St. John's made the top 20 of this tournament. We're going to make our own alternative. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm talking about St. John's girls. Oh, I, don't, oh. I don't acknowledge. Yeah, no, no, I no, don't no. acknowledge. The, what are you talking about? I only acknowledge the girls. Are you kidding me? The national champs. The national champions. The queens of basketball in this country. Because that's what they should be known as. You know what? They are the queens. Bravo, BISS. Look at the BISS. The first all BISS national final. How great is that? Look at us. B-I-S-S out here shining. St. John's, the Queens, Michelle Butler, just as dominant as PG-25 was in the boys game. She was that in the girls game. 17-14, five blocks. Well, I thought that was going to be a blowout because they were up 20-8 to at one point. And I was just like, boy, this game boring. But see, you know what it is, though? I mean, they still ended up winning by 12. They pulled away in the fourth quarter. Like, Sack got it back there. Sack tied the game. Sack, they got on Tanisha Moultrie. She's very good. She's really good. Lord, I'm just playing nightly. Let's just put it this that. way. The game we watched before when they put the uh, the girls in, I'm not going to lie. Those are some boring games. <laughs> like, I just I just got to keep it real. I, I'm just going to talk about my queen. This champ- I don't know about no, no. what you're talking about. But the championship game was actually entertaining because you know it why? Was. They were running plays. They were hidden shots. Well, they always play each other close because yeah. in BISS final, it came down to three games. But it wasn't like a hackathon type thing. It was yeah. it was real basketball. Let's just put it that way. Those were the best two teams in the country, hands Easily. down. Hands Easily. down because as much as people want to say it's a structure, it's this and that, they ain't hacking you all to pieces. Yeah. Um, they play in basketball. St. John's only hacks you when it counts, baby. Other than that, we play in basketball. That's what we doing. The Queens, crown them. They, they were crowned already. Crown them again. You can't crown them twice. We can crown them as much times as we want, and I will open every podcast calling them queens henceforth. All right, we good. That's it? Yeah. So we'll make our list of top 20 players. We will make our list of top... Listen, we got big things in the works. Don't pull no scene. But you will hear more from us on this topic and more about those top 20 players. What 24. That's a wrap for Nationals. We see you in 2020. In Grand Bahama, probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs>